I want to show you a picture this morning of my garden. So this, this is my garden. Um, we were gone for a week of vacation, and then we came back, and everything was just drought at that point. We hadn't gotten much rain. The grass wasn't growing, so I hadn't been mowing, and I really hadn't been walking around my yard at all either. And so we went up to my mom's for a week, and then we, I came back, and I realized, oh, the grass is starting to grow. So I walked around the backside of my house, and this is what I saw. And I didn't plant anything this year. <laughs> so to my surprise, something had grown in that spot. It was our little raised garden bed behind our house. And I looked at that and went, wow, okay. And you can look at the very kind of top, the right corner. You can see it already started, the process. Then I thought, I need to catalog this. So I took a picture. And I spent the next half hour, 45 minutes, bending over, pulling out weeds, throwing them into a pile, pulling, throwing them in a pile, pulling, throwing them in a pile. These were some of the weeds I pulled out. Now, I don't think this picture does them justice, but the roots on those things are like this long. Thankfully, we'd gotten some rain, so the moisture had helped the soil, and I could pull up all of the root. But there were some serious weeds that had grown up in my garden. Now, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is after I finished that day. I decided I better catalog that side of it. You never know when God's going to say you need to use this as an illustration. And it's much easier to do it, they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. It's much easier to do it in picture format than me to describe it to you. So this is what it's supposed to be. There's a couple things in the back. Those are asparagus plants that come up every year, and we're trying to help those grow. But they were among everything else. Well, so often, this happens in our lives as well. We forget we also need to cultivate our hearts, and before long, our hearts are looking like this, because we'd forgotten. We didn't take the time. We were too busy, and we get some pretty serious weeds in our heart, and if we're not careful, they can be really difficult to take out. Our lives, our hearts can be overrun with idols. And it took me time and effort to get all those weeds out. And it takes us time and effort to get the idols out of our lives as well. And I was thinking this morning before I was preparing to speak that I feel a little bit like Paul this morning. Paul wrote the book of Romans. And if you read through the first few chapters of the book of Romans, it's pretty much doom and despair. Like Romans chapter 1, 2, and the beginning of chapter 3 is very much like, guys, you're all sinners, you're going to hell, everything is evil, there's just a lot of bad stuff in the world. That's Paul in Romans 1, 2, and 3. We're all condemned to death because of our sinfulness. But in Romans 3, in the middle of it, Paul turns. He turns this corner, verse 21, but now, if it weren't for some of the buts in the Bible, they take us to amazing places. They offer us hope. 
Paul had been giving doom and despair. And then he gets to verse 21 of chapter 3 and he says, but now. And this morning we're turning a corner as we talk about idolatry. It's one of those but moments. But now we're going to talk about freedom from idolatry. I spend a lot of time talking about idols, how they plant themselves in our life. I'm, I'm hoping that you sense some of the hope I gave you as we were going through that. But now we're going to talk about the freedom that we can have in Christ. We're talking about this series of the heart of the matter. And Brad Bigney comments in his book that our hearts are very much idol factories that want to produce idols 24-7. He calls our hearts idol factories that want to produce idols. And Paul reflects that in the book of Romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 25. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is that doom and despair and destruction and sinfulness. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, when we begin to worship and serve anyone or anything that is not God, our hearts become darkened and very inward focused. We exchange God's truth for the lies of the world, the lies that offer a temporary promise rather than eternal fulfillment. And because our lives are cursed with a sin nature, we turn from God's righteousness to our own wickedness. But, but it's only by God's grace that we're able to be freed from the bondage of our sinfulness, that we can have freedom in our idolatry. So we're going to talk this morning about three behaviors to help reorient our heart away from idols and towards Christ. And there's no magical anything about, about these three things, but they are behaviors that help reorient our heart. They help us turn from the idolatry that we're experiencing to Jesus Christ who can offer us freedom from those things. The first one is identify and admit your idolatry. This is the most elementary part in our battle against idols. And you have to believe this is a battle. This is a fight. As we begin to wage war against our idols, we have to identify the ways in which we are tempted and in which we sin. And that is a moment-to-moment thing. And sometimes you recognize your sinning, but you don't stop your sin. You continue on in your sin rather than saying, okay, I'm sinning right now. Why am I sinning right now? Why am I going against what God has called me to do right now? 
what is the thing that I've placed on the throne of my life that is causing me to do whatever it is here that I'm doing that is sinful, that is connected to idolatry. And it's not going to become natural, it's not as natural to our hearts, because remember what Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart will deceive you into believing that you are justified in acting the way you are acting because somebody else wronged you or somebody else said something to you or somebody else did something to you and so my response is justified. But that's biblically not what we're called to. Elise Fitzpatrick says this, it is only in the power of the Spirit that we comprehend our enemy's strengths and find the wisdom to tear down and destroy our idols. It's only in the power of the Spirit in the midst of our sin that we'll have that moment and say, I am sinning right now. That is only in the power of the Spirit. That is not in our own natural heart inclination that we would have that moment. So if that moment happens to you, that is the Spirit speaking to you. That is in His power, because naturally, the Bible says, I will just continue on in sin. But it is the Spirit who calls out those pieces of your sinfulness that the enemy, enemy Satan, is using against you, and that you'll be able to begin to tear those down and destroy the idols that are on that throne. John writes this. We studied through the book of 1 John. John writes this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we begin to go through this process of identifying and admitting our idolatry, one of the pieces is we need to confess our sin. Confession just means that we're speaking to God and admitting to God that what we are doing right now is sin. It is confessing it. It is saying, God, I recognize. I just yelled at that person and I shouldn't have done that. That was anger. That was sinful. And I'm agreeing with you that that is sinful anger. Now, there is confession and repentance. Confession is that piece, that you're agreeing with God. But Jesus declared that he came to call sinners to repentance. So what is repentance in difference to confession? Well, repentance involves the action of moving away from the sinfulness and moving towards Christ-likeness. So confession is admitting what I did was not righteous, it was sinful, but repentance is stepping away from that wicked thing and saying, I'm going to move into a more righteous lifestyle. And so both of those are contained in admitting and identifying our idols. As you bring sin into the light, whether it's just between you and God or in between you and other people, as you bring sin into the light, it no longer holds power over your fears. It no longer holds power over your future. You understand that sin holds power in darkness. When we keep it in, when we keep it to ourselves, when we say, oh, that's no big deal, sin holds power in those moments. 
as we confess and repent, it frees us of those. Do that regularly. Secondly, we need to believe in the power of the gospel. Believe in the power of the gospel. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. I want you guys to say power. Power. That was pretty good. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I think at times we can talk about the gospel, we can proclaim the gospel, but we forget the gospel is more than words. The gospel is the power of God. We need to believe in the power of God. It is God's power most clearly demonstrated in creation. The gospel. Jesus Christ coming, being a part of living on this earth in the midst of sinfulness, not sinning. Being condemned to death, being flogged and persecuted, being killed on a wooden cross, dying but God raised him from the dead. That's the power of God. That action proclaimed. You know, it is that victory of Jesus overcoming the power of sin and death that is passed on to us as believers. That we hold that same power to overcome sin and death because of the power that Jesus displayed. Over sin and death. It is the power of God. He died. Jesus Christ died to set you free from your idols. To set you free from idolatry. Paul writes in Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to a yoke of idolatry. That is what we are enslaved by, our sinfulness that comes out of our idolatry. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You are free this morning. Say, I am free. I am free. I am free this morning because of the power of Jesus Christ displayed on the cross. Because it is the power of God. Jesus died so that we could have a genuine relationship with God the Father, not a counterfeit relationship with an idol. Tim Keller says this, There is only one way to change at the heart level, and that is through faith in the gospel. The Old Testament 
of the Bible point forward to what Jesus would come and do. The New Testament looks back at what Jesus did and the ramifications of that power of him being raised from the dead, how that should change our lives. All of the Bible is focused on the gospel. So do you recognize that power in your life? Is that proclaimed in your life on a daily basis? Because it's only in that power, the power of the gospel, what Jesus came and did, that we will ever remove idols. Why? Because naturally we would just keep them there. We would be satisfied with the counterfeit rather than seeking the genuine. Paul goes through three chapters of Romans describing that. So what is a down-to-earth way I can do this daily? Romans 1, 16 and 17. I had them up there on the screens just a couple minutes ago. Memorize it, write it out, put it somewhere where daily you will see those verses. That is the gospel. That is the power of God for us. It holds the power. Third, there's three behaviors. This is the third. Replace idolatry with worship of Jesus. What is idolatry but false worship? Worshiping something else rather than Jesus Christ. You know, when something is old or broken, what do we do? Fix it or throw it away, right? If your worship is broken... You're worshiping the wrong thing. What do you need to do? You need to get rid of the old worship and you need to do new worship to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Colossians 3, it's a little bit longer passage. If you want to turn there, you can. It won't be on the screen this morning. Colossians chapter 3, Paul is writing about this process. Putting on the new self. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. Meaning those who are Christians. If you have faith in what he has done. Then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have believed in him. If then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. These are promises for you as a Christian. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are also going to appear with him in glory. So he says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says, put to death the idolatry in your life. We're called to set our mind on things above because there's this promise of an eternal reward that we're going to appear with Christ radiated by his glory. Kill off the old self. Tim Keller notes an issue we face with our idolatry. He says this, if you uproot the idol and 
fail to plant the love of Christ in its place, the idol will grow back. Guess what happened to me this week? I walked back around my house and there were little green things popping up in my garden once again. What in the world? I pulled them all out. But apparently, the natural state of weeds is to just come back. I must have missed a little root here and there. But there were little green things popping up. What did I do? I went back to my, my shed and I grabbed a hoe and I was like, die, you weeds, die. The weeds started to spring up. God promises to replace our sinful hearts. God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel and he says this, and I will give you, talking to the nation of Israel, talking to this future blessing of sending Jesus Christ, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God is the one who's going to do the rejuvenation of our hearts. Elise Fitzpatrick says this, We need to seek to replace our sinful desires with holy ones. And that will happen only in the context of the gospel. We cannot believe the lie that I can fix this. I can do this in my own power. If only I do this, these three steps, I will be able to be free of my idols. But it's not in our power, it's in God's power that we're able to listen in obedience through the power of the Spirit, through the power of His Word, and begin to tear down those idols, rip out those weeds, and replace them with true worship. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says, put off your old self. Pull out those old weeds which belong to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We like to focus on verses 22 and 24 and we miss verse 23 underlined. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Renewing your minds daily away from the lies of your idols, away from the lies of sinfulness, and focusing on God's word and what is true. Because that is how we begin to overcome these idols in our lives. With God's word and God's truth. We can only take off our old self and put on our new self if we're working to renew our minds and our hearts and reorient them on Christ. That means focusing on the truths of God's word. Being in his word regularly. 
so that you have those truths. Why? Because we live in a world that we're getting lied to all of the time. We're even telling ourselves lies all of the time. So if we're not believing the truth, if we're not going back to the truth of God's word, then those lies will permeate our lives. Pretty soon, those little green spots are going to start popping up again. I just wanted to mention a tool. This is from Brad Bigney. Um, so his church information is on the back. You can just ignore that if you want. Um, but it's an idolatry repentance uh, plan of action, and he spells out kind of how to put off and put on those new attitudes and behaviors, how to use scripture in order to do that, to begin to regularly take off and put on, and he's got some spaces to write in here, like if you think you have this idol, the steps you can start to begin to take to remove those. Those are on the back counter if you want to grab one of those. Those are free for you uh, this morning. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He also says it in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What is our worship? What is the new worship we're supposed to be doing? Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. How are we transformed by the renewal of our minds? It's stopping of listening to the lies of the world, the lies that our heart tells us, the deceitfulness, going back to his word and saying, is this the truth? Reforming our mind, if, if anger is something you struggle with, going to God's word and saying, what is true about anger? If I sense I'm getting angry all of the time, what is really true about anger and how should I really respond rightly? And then taking those truths and when you're feeling angry, you apply those truths as you're becoming angry. And it begins to transform and renew your mind to the truth of God's word rather than the lies that we tell ourselves. So we reorient our minds by reading his word, studying his word, meditating his word on his word, memorizing his word, spending time with him in prayer and solitude and silence, sacrificing for him in fasting and service and offering. There's all sorts of ways, but I don't want us to get caught up because these are spiritual disciplines we're talking about, and I don't want us to be caught up in that. Tim Keller says this, spiritual disciplines are basically forms of worship. And it is worship that is the final way to replace the idols of your heart. So using those things, studying his word, worshiping through song, serving him in different ways. But the problem can become in our lives that we want to focus the, on the spiritual disciplines and they can become our actual worship. We're worshiping these disciplines rather than using the disciplines as a conduit to worship God, to worship Jesus in the right way. 
So if you came to church this morning and, and I were to ask you, why did you come to church this morning? Well, I, I just always come to church. It's a discipline I've made in my life that I'm just always here. Well, maybe we've taken that then and we placed that on the pedestal rather than saying, I'm here to worship God. I'm here to worship God and God alone, and I like doing it with other believers who worship God. You see how there's just a little distinction between that? Between doing it because you've always done it versus doing it because you're here to worship God alone. Jesus, in the book of John, is communicating um, his relationship with, with his people. He, he would refer, refer to them as his flock. He, he called himself the great shepherd. He said, I am the door for the sheep, referring to those who follow him. And Jesus made this statement in that context, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, abundant life doesn't come from worshiping idols. Abundant life doesn't come from having the wrong things on the throne of our lives. Abundant life comes from unhindered worship of Jesus Christ. Undivided worship of Jesus. Pure worship of Jesus. He wants us to have abundant lives, free of idolatry, filled with his joy and his purpose. We can have that when we find freedom in our idolatry. Main point this morning, reorienting our hearts towards Christ produces the most abundant life. It's in freedom from our idolatry that we can experience the most abundant life. Sure, those idols make a lot of promises, but they're all worthless promises. You're, all, you're shortchanged if you believe the lies of what they will give to you. Money says, oh, I can meet every need you have. Money says, I can... Fulfill everything. I can solve the world's problems if only there was enough money. So we put money up on, on the throne. But who can really solve the problems of the world? Not money. And so in our heart, we would say, yes, Jesus can solve all of the problems of this world, but then over here we can see what we've really put on the throne of our lives. So there begins this disconnect between what our mind would say is the truth and what our heart is actually believing and living out. So we need to reorient our heart away from the lies onto his truth which will produce the most abundant life. Would you pray with me? Father, this is not an easy task, but we're not called to a life of ease. God, this is warfare. 
This is a battle that we are facing on a daily basis because the enemy never takes a break. The enemy never lays down his weapons. The enemy never says, I'm going to give up. He constantly forces lies into our lives. He constantly tempts us with things. He constantly promises us false hope in these idols we place on our lives. But God, we know that you are the truth that can bring us hope and life and light. God, help us to replace those lies in our lives, reorienting our life away from our idols, ripping them out of our life and replacing them with worship of Jesus Christ. Worship that honors and glorifies him because it's only in that worship of Jesus that we will wholeheartedly seek and follow after pray this in Jesus' name.